eggs on the <clears throat> eggs on their own are bad, but like an omelet or an eggs Benedict, ooh, a good eggs Benny. It's the only way to eat eggs. You won't you won't have like scrambled eggs. Not unless I can put ba- put them on toast with bacon. You won't shell a hard boiled egg and just pop that sucker. A in your hard mouth. boiled egg? No, I don't even live in a retirement community. You have issues. My mom makes deviled eggs, and I want to die. Oh my god, you don't like deviled eggs? This is a huge issue. Why would I want the yolk to be turned into whipped cream and put on my tasteless rubber? I think it's mixed with mustard. Do you like mustard? Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls, KJ and Zach Mack. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. I'm your host, KJ, joined by the always wonderful Zach Mack. Zach, I've been meaning to tell you, I think pad thai might be the best takeout food in the world. I don't even know what that is. Pad thai? You were just giving me shit over deviled eggs. And you is it Asian food? Time. Yeah. it's. Oh, I don't touch Asian food, dude. I don't. Really? Don't it. Nope, none of it. We just had a controversial egg take, but that is that is also a controversial take. Uh, we have a loaded show. We've got player news. We're at the quarter point of the season. Uh, so we're gonna we're just going to tell you who's going to win awards. That's, that's what we do here. Hashtag YGS. Nightly news. And we are going to recognize a team on the rise. They they deserve it. Uh, let's jump right into player news. Miko Rantanen, your boy, he's uh, returning to practice. He could see the ice here uh, in the next week or so. Is that all the the Avalanche need to really put their best foot forward, or do they wait for Landis Cog to be back to to go full steam ahead? Uh, I think I don't think you're full. I don't think you are full steam ahead until you have Landis Cog back. But I don't know with with how often they're experiencing injuries throughout their lineup. I don't think you ever want to let up when you get someone back. Yeah, I, I mean Gabriel Landeskog is a great player and their captain. So I'm not. I don't mean to take anything away from him, but I think the skill will that just Nathan McKinnon himself has, but mixed with Miko Rantanen, I think those two guys can put up probably 95% of the points that top line could put up just the two of them, two of them out there, uh, especially with the defensemen that they have on that team that can move the puck so well. I'm not saying they're a hundred point team without Gabriel Landeskog, but I think they can really kind of gain some of that ground that they lost with just McKinnon and Rantanen in the lineup. Yes. Um, of the three, obviously, I, I, I'd agree with you. I think Landis Cog is, um, not the most lethal. I guess would be the way I put it. It is like the worst idea to have a Twitter argument during the show because I'm like my multitasking skills are right being tested right now. But, um, yeah, I think I, 
to be honest with you, I'm interested to see McKinnon, right? Seeing play for how long, how much longer is Landis Cog out for? He's still on IR, so I actually is that indefinite? Yeah, okay. Yeah, like remember when they said he'd be out indefinitely, and I I mean I did say that he uh, would be back before Ranton. It sounds like that is wrong, but he is meeting with a doctor this coming Monday. We're recording this on Saturday. Uh, he's meeting with the doctor on Monday to see uh, how his recovery is. I mean, he's only slash already missed 10 games. I'm not really sure where that falls on the spectrum of out indefinitely. But getting him back will help them, but I think getting Ranton him back is more important to their immediate success. And... As far as Ranton coming back, they said he's practicing, right? Do we have when's their next game? What? Like, is he? Are they? Is, did they confirm he's suiting up for next game, or are we still? Is it just no? Like a, he he's not because they play tonight. They play tonight against oh oh okay. The Maple okay. So, <clears throat> and I think that's their only game this weekend. Yeah, and then they don't play again until the twenty seventh. So they've got time. So maybe he is ready for their next game. By the time you by the time you're listening to this, they've already played Toronto. And the next game after that, I ran to they could be ready for it. And that'll be that'll be huge for them because they've managed to they're five and five over the last ten, which is actually they're five and five in Landis Cog's absence, which you know they, they lost last night two nights ago, but have held, have held firm uh, in the standing. So not, I mean, they're still seventh. Uh, they were a little bit higher before all the injuries, but to, to be able to hold strong where they're at with all these injuries is, is pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. Also on uh, the topic of the avalanche, Kale McCarr is really, really, really good. Probably a top. He's the best rookie, and he's like a top five defenseman right now. How? So I have a question. How, how are you considered a – how does it work in the NHL for like games played to be a rookie? It's uh, – Because he played last year. He, but he, I think he only played in the playoffs. Okay, so it's just like no regular season games. I don't think it's no. I want to say it's in the twenty range or the fifteen. Yeah. Okay, range. I thought it was something low like that. I was just wondering if he knew because Corey because Corey Crawford won a cup and then had his rookie season the next year. Okay. So it. Either way. Even if this was a second year, I we could we just can't tickle. He's got twenty five points in twenty two games. He's a defenseman. He's a twenty one year old defenseman. Playing, yeah. I mean, he's over a point per game right now. Six of his seven goals are even strength, and he's got he's got two game winning goals. Everything he does, granted, you know, he's not a physical guy, which you it doesn't take much more than looking at him to to understand that. But he blocks shots. He moves the puck incredibly well. I mean, 18 assists on the Avalanche, you know, you could probably walk your way to 
40 assists with how good that team is offensively. We were just talking about it. But we, we're talking about awards later in the episode, and you can bet you're going to see Kale McCarr on, on that list. He is He's playing unbelievable. Yeah, especially, I mean, for a team that needs it too. I mean, we, I've, we've, we're beating a dead horse at this point talking about how many injuries they've had, but to have that young stability on the blue line is it's going to go a long way. And I don't think people are factoring that in quite yet. Yeah. And they're not getting the best out of Samuel Gerard at this point. I think they will. I think he'll kind of course correct and be as good as he was in the past, but he's another young defenseman. I mean, if you're moving forward with just Makar and Samuel Gerard, you're doing just fine. But the, the young core of this team is just everyone's so impressive. It's shocking that they're not already better than they are, and and that they weren't in the Western Conference final. Like, there's so many things you look at this team, and the expectations should be so high. But I think the maturity is like the only thing that people look at with this team. Maturity as far as like as far leadership as- or. I don't want to say leadership because I don't want to slander Landis Gog more than I already have because I don't think it's a leadership. I just think it's knowing the next step because Jared Bednar is a great coach, but I don't know how much NHL experience he has. I know this is, I believe, his first head coaching job, but I think this team in its entirety is kind of all learning together. Especially when you got Nazem Kadri, who wouldn't know what it's like to be out of the first round anyway. So there are, <laughs> there they looked incredible in the playoffs against the Flames. We, I won't go back to it, but they probably should have won that series against the Sharks. It's all there. It's just this is a team that can put their foot on another team's throat when it matters. They just had to learn how to do that. Yeah. I mean, they started the season eight and two, so it's like they came out firing out um, five and five in their last 10. Uh, yeah, I, it it almost feels like last year again. And I don't know. I really I thought that they had progressed and I still think that they might have progressed and that they won't go as much into a roller coaster as they did last year. But I mean, we're starting to see the pattern start. Yeah, but I will give them credit in a sense. That, like if you look at Washington still on top of the standings. So if we're going to equate McKinnon to Ovi as far as the team's best player, imagine if the Capitals lost Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and Holtby for a short time. I I mean, I don't think they have 36 points in 24 games. That's a good point. Because even with Kale McCarr playing well, you got John Carlson playing well over there. Exactly. So there are a lot of similarities to be drawn from Colorado to a lot of teams as far as having an elite player and then a lot of guys around them. The Avalanche are just the only team that's, I mean, short of the Pens, but the Pens are also losing their best players, you know, Mm -hmm. that we've talked about. But, I mean, granted, Backstrom is out for the Capitals, but there's a lot more talent, I think, inexperienced talent that knows how to weather the storm compared to Colorado. So it's something to keep your eye on, but to the point, Kale McCarr is not just better than we expected. He's blowing expectations out of the water. And 
John Carlson's not having the season he had he's having right now. I think a lot more people are talking about Kale McCarr. So good for him. Hobie Baker winner in college, by the way. So expectations were already pretty high. Where'd um, he go? Boston University. <laughs> of course. I just want to make sure. I feel like I asked you that before and you right. said uh, the other Boston. Boston College. Maybe it was Boston College. And I don't, I don't know why his page doesn't say. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. What do I got to do to retain his NCAA eligibility? UMass. He went to UMass. So in the Northeast, like every other yeah. hockey player. Um, John, on the injury front, Jonathan Klingberg is also nearing his return. Uh, we're going to talk about the stars later, but that's probably the last piece they need to to get everything together because this is a team that played pretty good defensive hockey last year, and they're getting their goaltending back on this little streak that they're on. Uh, Jamie Ben starting to find the back of the net. Tyler Sagan's doing what Tyler Sagan does. Corey Perry has a few points. You put Jonathan Klingberg, one of the 10 best defensemen in the league, back on this lineup, and we're back to talking about how the Stars might be able to put it together. I mean, but yeah, so he's been out for the season six. Oh, has he? Oh, I think he's missed multiple stretches in the season. Okay, okay, okay. Very well, maybe the case. Um, okay, yeah, missed the last six games. Uh, I I don't. How are they doing in the last six games? I don't know. I mean, I know they're I know they're, they're trying to upward. Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, he's played in seventeen games this year, but. Go ahead. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it helps out, you know, obviously on the defensive side for Dallas, and they've got Ben Bishop in there, so he's probably happy about that. I I, I just don't want to spoil too much. I know we're going to go into Dallas later, and I want to talk about them as a team. I don't really have much to say about Klingberg, other than I think he obviously helps the team coming back. Yeah, and he's been pretty consistent over his – geez, he's already – this is a sixth season in the NHL. And he's played, last year he only played 64 games, which is nerve-wracking when he's already injured this early in the season. But before that, he played 82, 80, and 76. So okay. you you can count on this guy, but defensemen especially, when you have back-to-back seasons with injuries like this that keep you out for more than just a game or two, it is worrisome. But the... The funny thing is, is he's kind of the embodiment of where they were before they started trending upwards because he had four points in 17 games. So something tells me he has been injured all season, and this was the tipping point and a chance for him to to get fully healthy and, and come back and help that team the, the way he, he has in the past. I mean, 45, 67, 50, 58 points over the last five seasons. Four seasons. He's been very good for them. So he yeah. will he'll come back and, and make a difference. <laughs> Here's the last bit of player news that I have. And it's kind of funny. So Tyson Berry, former Colorado Avalanche player, defenseman. Uh, Nazem Kadri, former Maple Leaf. They were both involved in the same trade. And <laughs> I don't know why this is news and why it came out when it did. But they are just renting each other's homes. They're just living in each other's homes since the trade. Who's living in each other's homes? I missed it. 
Nazem Kadri is living in Tyson Berry's old house in Colorado, and I Berry's living in Kadri's house in Toronto. I don't know. I don't know how it's just coming out, and I don't even know why it's news. But I thought it was funny. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's just being economical. I mean, yeah, Kadri knows he's only got a couple move. contracts left. So you love when guys work together like that. Yeah, especially well, they're not rivals, but it probably came out honestly because they're playing each other tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Do we miss anything in player news? Player wise, I don't think so. I mean, there's just so much player news that is a constant that we don't we don't have to touch on it. I mean, you mentioned Gensel coming off; he's fine, right? Yeah, yeah. He he limped off the other day, but he came back on the ice. Yeah. If they would have lost Gensel, man, I don't know what what they do. They yeah. should probably just forfeit the season at that point. You were, um, you, were, you were texting me that stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, we're going to have to have another segment on the Penguins. Well, I sent you the, the injury report for the Penguins because they lost McCann and Bukestad. I guess that's worth mentioning since we're still on player news. And then as I'm reading your response, Gensel blocks a shot and limps off the ice. This is crazy. It's, yeah, tough to watch. Uh, so we are at the quarter point of the season. A lot of teams have played a little bit more than a quarter of the games. Uh, other teams are kind of just reaching the 20-game mark, 21. Uh, someone has still not played 20 games. Who was that? It's an absolute joke. Tampa Bay still hasn't played 20 games. Not sure how that works. Uh, so we're going to tell you who's going to win all the awards by the end of the season. So we'll just go in order. We've got Hart, Art Ross, Norris, Vesna, Jack Adams, Calder, Selkie, and Richard. The the important ones. We're not doing Lady Bing because second place in the Selkie is going to get Lady Bing. Uh, so let's just start with the hard trope. Uh, let's work from the bottom up. We'll do a big reveal. So Rocket Richard, who's going to win? Who do you think is going to win the Richard trophy? Uh, I went on a limb and said Austin Matthews. Ooh, I like that pick because I did say he's going to score 100 goals with Sheldon Keith. Yeah, and I'm I'm standing behind this notion that Sheldon Keith's going to turn this team around. Um, operationally, and they're just going to flow a lot differently on the ice, and I think that works to Matthews' favor. We already saw him score a goal in uh, Keith's first game behind the bench, so I think he's just going to go on an absolute tear, and he might edge that award by a goal or two. I like that. Uh, I'm just I'm going to be boring. I'm going to say Ovechkin. Yeah, and. I mean- He's a he's a handful of goals behind Pasternak. Pasternak's never played a full season, or he's only done it one time. So I don't see that pace holding up. Drysdale's going to give Ovi some trouble, and I hope Matthews gives him some trouble as well. But I think eventually Ovi's just going to kind of turn it on. I mean, they banked so many points in the standings that if he has to get selfish for a few games and maybe you know a couple hat tricks, a couple Ovech tricks to really put everyone behind him. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think Ovi, Ovi wins at Rocket Richard, but I'm happy with either of our picks. I will yeah. gladly accept Austin Matthews as a Rocket Richard winner. Um, let's move on to the Selkie. I'll go first. Mark Stone. Ooh. Since I predicted him to be the Hart Trophy winner, I don't see that as the case now, uh, which means they'll have to give him an award, and he deserved it last year, and we know how voting works. So and he's a really good two way two way forward. And when that team finds its its footing as far as consistency, we'll see the best out of Mark Stone. But early in the season, he was doing everything all over the ice for them. So I think people will remember that and also see more of it as the season goes on. So Mark Stone, my selfie pick. 
I was going to say, do you feel like Vegas has to make some headway in the standings for him to win that? I mean, they... No, I don't think so because Barkov won it uh, when they were garbage. So... Barkov was actually my pick. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I, I like the stone pick because he's got like 30 giveaways to... He's in the teens for takeaways. I just had it pulled up, but I... 30 to 16. Um, 30 takeaways or 30 giveaways? 30 takeaways, 16 oh, giveaways. Okay. Um, so he's positive there. William Carson is as well um, on the team. But, uh, I mean, William, William Carlson's plus six. Stone's minus five, so that kind of hurts him a little bit. But I went Barkov because he's also plus minus, or plus in the giveaway-takeaway ratio. Um, he puts up over 20 minutes of ice time a game, just over. Uh, and I'm trying to pull up his giveaway-takeaways right now. 18 to 10 takeaway yeah. to giveaway, and he's plus four. So yeah. I know I know they don't really win it back-to-back, but I have Barco. Did he win it last year? No. Uh, no, no, no. O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that was – we couldn't give him the heart because it wasn't as obvious as it should have been, but Ryan O'Reilly was probably the heart trophy winner last year. Uh, the Calder trophy, I think I just gave it away, but Kale McCarr. Oh, I had Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. That's now. Can he win it for the fourth year in a row? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean, Kale McCarr is so damn good. I won't go into it again, but yeah, if Ben Simmons can't put it, I actually put down Capocacco. Ooh. Um. Obviously, the Rangers. I think the Rangers would have to make some headway in order for him to win that. Um. Just a little bit. I mean, they don't have to be the best team in the league, but they certainly can't be towards the bottom. But uh, he's turned it up a little bit. Six goals, four assists. Um, it's getting better. I, I I think he might make a push toward it. Yeah, I there are, there are a lot of guys who have come. Like I know the Flyers brought up the guy they made a joke about on a graphic. He's got like two goals in two games, or at that point when they had played uh, earlier this week, he had two goals in two games. That's not a guy that's going to stay up. For the entirety of the season, I think the bar for uh, rookie forwards is pretty low right now, especially with the start that Hughes and Kako are off to. I mean, even Kirby Doc, I think, has more points than Hughes. But I just, I just don't see Kale McCarr slowing down at all. But I, I mean, Kako with the hype surrounding him, maybe that carries over for the rest of the season. I just want to, like, a little bit about Kako. I mean, I'm going down the, the Rangers roster. Their giveaways, like, turnovers. Yeah. Like, Panarin's got 33. D'Angelo's got 20. Kreider's got 20. Buchnevich's got 23. Strong's got 20. And then you hit Kako. He's only got 10. Yeah, I mean, that's – he's strong on the puck, and I think that leads to more goals than, than anything. So I mean, that's promising going forward if you're looking at that guy. Like, everyone else on your team's turning the puck over except – the newest member of your team. Yeah, you, no, you're right. That's that's a good way to look at it. I wouldn't be blown away if he got to the point where he was a serious contender for the Calder. I just don't think he is at this very moment. But you, I mean, you raise a good point. He, if he can do enough for that team, the other thing is, is Kako can shine on the Rangers because nothing's really working for them. Kale McCarr is like the fifth best player on his team. Yeah, that yeah. Um, Jack Adams Award. 
Who do I, I want to hear yours first. Okay. I know I just said that I maybe it was before we were recording that nobody really wins awards two years in a row, except for probably Barry Trotz. Oh, I almost put down Barry Trotz, honestly. I just think, and I know the Jack Adams is the most surprising team. And so, you know, it's always the team that we thought was going to be bottom of the standings that worked its way to the middle of the standings. Um, but I mean, you just look at this, this Islanders team, and maybe this is my way of saying they still don't have a ton of talent and it's more trots than anything, but back-to-back years of the best defensive hockey we've seen in a long time. Uh, they're getting obviously incredible goaltending, but that team's pretty legit as much as I hate to admit it. And I think the majority of the credit goes to Barry Trotz and he probably wins his second in a uh, Jack Adams in a row. Okay. I almost put him down. Uh, he was my second place. I actually put Craig Berube down since he didn't win it last year. After also fair. Yeah. And if they finish, if they finish top six, I want to say, I'll give him, I mean, they're fourth right now. That's, that's a good pick because you know how they like to reward guys that missed out. Yeah. But I do want to pose a question to you. Uh, Joe Quenville. I mean, realistically could have a shot. Yeah. I mean, I just said top six and that's where Florida's at is six. Uh, I don't think either of us thought they were going to be at six. The tough thing, no. The tough thing will be where, I don't want to say analytics, but where the stats lie behind their turnaround, because obviously they didn't start the season this well. They, I mean, they're 7-2-1 in their last 10 games, and their goaltending has picked up. So I'll be interested to see how it's looked at as coaching came together and found a way to motivate this team or Bobrovsky got hot. Yeah. I think there's a couple ways to look at it, but Quenville that's, I mean, Trotz, Berube, Quenville could be your top three. Yeah. And, and, and finally to throw another wrench in there, are we snubbing Dave Tippett? <sighs> I know you're, you want to say no off the bat, but. Are we snubbing Dave Tippett? No, because was- I mean, look at, I mean, what what coaching has he done? Put Dry's idol and make it. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point. But, and that's kind of the reason why I never really had him in my conversation. But they are a team that was expected to be at the bottom of the standings and is is not right now. So, it could very well end up being him. Uh, but yeah, I've got Trots. Oh, but now I like the Quenville pick. No, I'm sticking with Trots, but I do like the Bruce <laughs> pick as well. Uh, the Vesna Trophy. The Vesna. I'll go first on this one. Okay. Jordan Bennington. I'm so fucking sick of this. <laughs> hey, if we're gonna talk about guys that uh rewarding guys that didn't that that didn't get it, um he's fourth in goals against average. He's not up not top five in save percentage. I don't know where he is on the full list. Seventh, seventh in save percentage. Um I mean you got Darcy Kemper up there. You got Robin Lehner up there. I don't uh, – I mean, Darcy Kemper's playing great, but I just don't know if he holds it up. That's my thing. I I get it. You're not wrong. But the only answer is Thomas Grice. Yeah. He – we talk about rewarding guys. 
all last year, most of the talk was Robbie Lehner is number one in that two-man committee. committee. And, I mean, yeah, the stats kind of back that up, but I don't think Thomas Grice got the credit he deserved. He definitely isn't so far this season outside of Islanders Twitter. Thomas Grice is unbelievable. And, yes, Darcy Kemper has been hot, but we don't know if Darcy Kemper can do that for a long stretch. We've seen Thomas Grice do it for 40 games out of the season. Yeah, I'm going to – I actually really like this. I want to keep track of – we're at the quarter point now, so when we get to the half point, let's revisit this Grice versus Bennington and see who's – Yeah, I know – I mean – I know both goalies haven't played every single game for their team this year, but the goals against for we were talking about, Oh, so it goes Islanders 49, Arizona 52, Boston is 56. And then St. Louis is at 62. So they're like six in the league in goals against which Jake Allen is effectively hot garbage. So most of those goals could have come come in games that he was starting. Neither of us mentioned Tuka Rask. He's not even one of my finalists right now, to be completely honest. But, yeah, Thomas Grice, he just does something for me. I don't know what it is. I think I'm in love with him. (laughs) Uh, But Jordan Bennington, you're you're correct in saying that he didn't win it last year and might have deserved it. So, uh, yeah, Thomas Grice or Jordan Bennington, we're going to keep track of it. or Adam Warner. Where there's a semi truck parked down the street that has a big Werner sticker on it. Nice. I know. I just assumed it was Adam Warner. <laughs> uh, and we'll keep a shutout tracker and a goalie expected shutout tracker on both Grice and Bennington to see just how good they are. Nice. Uh, by the way, Vesna's best goalie, if you don't know. Jack Adams, best coach, Calder, best rookie, Selkie, best two way forward, and Rocket Richard, most goals. Uh, if anyone listening doesn't know what their awards are, uh, are named, but know what they're for, just for a little bit of explanation. Uh, the Norris Trophy, best defenseman. Uh, I'll start because I'm just repeating myself, but the Norris Trophy winner is also your Calder Cup winner, Kiel McCarr. Wow. I'm super high on this kid, maybe undeserved. Um, I don't think we should reward a defenseman for being super offensive. And I also don't think that John Carlson lasts that long as far as me, because that that team as offensively gifted as they are, have given up a shit ton of goals. The like the fifth most in the league. And I think you need more out of your best defenseman. If we're going to call him the Norris winner in John Carlson, then I need to see a little bit more of a defenseman instead of a long shot forward. Brent Burns, basically. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got John Carlson down as mine. It's a little bit of bias because he carries my fantasy team, which I'm not mad about. But uh, obviously, killing it. Um, to me, the reason I couldn't take him off is because he. Is, you talked about how often they get scored on, but John Carlson is plus fifteen. That's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> the team itself is only plus seventeen, so that's. Yeah. So what does that put him like a net minus or minus? I don't. Are they plus two without him? I guess he's. I don't know. He's really good. I I can't argue against John Carlson, even though I'm going to try. But 
He does have a lot more giveaways than he does takeaways, so that's a little bit Brent Burns esque. Yeah, but I mean, I know there are the obvious headmen. I guess that's kind of it. There's not that. Re- I mean, it's a it's a weird year for defensemen because we can kind of pick out Makar and Carlson as the two best, in my opinion. Yeah, and then it's kind of a crapshoot beyond that. Um, but two very good picks. The Art Ross Trophy, and this is not subjective at all. This is just straight up. Who has the most points? You can go first, but I think we're both going to have the same answer. I have Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, I have Connor McDavid. Which is the, only, really... it's the only award I'll ever give Connor McDavid. It's, it's one that you don't vote on. But one of those two guys probably the winner. I yeah. I There's no argument against either one of them as far as production. I'd like to see someone else take the crown, but... I don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, Heart Trophy, you're going to hate my pick, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, that's fine, because you're going to hate mine. I got Connor McDavid. Ooh, I have Thomas Grice. So let's, <laughs> let's argue against it. Um, Connor McDavid is on a team with another Heart Trophy finalist. And I don't know if I said this last episode, but... Oh my God, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. How can one team have two MVP candidates? It just doesn't work that way. I don't yeah. understand. And maybe you don't consider Drysdale an MVP candidate, and that that would be fair. But when you have two guys that you're saying are so valuable that if you took them off that team, they'd be hot trash, then one or the other probably isn't the most valuable. Well, I know we okay. don't vote on the Hart Trophy as the actual most valuable, even though we have a most outstanding player award. But I, I just don't see the correlation between having two MVP candidates and one of them somehow winning it. I see enough people dying on the hill that Leon Dreisaitl can't man his own line to figure that Connor McDavid is the most important person to his line. Yeah, if they're going to die on that hill, then they also have to agree that Connor McDavid is the most valuable person to that line. Yeah, if, they're, if, that's, if that's their take, then I agree with you. I don't know at this point, because it's been so consistent, I don't think that's true of Drysdale anymore. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I try to argue it on Twitter, but you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, well, I was part of that. <laughs> uh, I like the Grice pick. I I tend to don't think that he can hold it up for very for a full season, but I also have a strong feeling I could be wrong there. Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of one of those because if Thomas Grice wins the heart, and I do think he's that good and he's such a vital piece of this team being where they're that Islanders team being where they're at, but it'd just be nice to have another goalie win the heart to shut Montreal up. Yeah. I'm just so, by the way, Carey Price, former heart trophy winner also lost an overtime to the senators the other day. So God, he, uh, I mean, he's, he is playing well and the Montreal team is kind of picking it up, but Thomas Thomas Grice would never, yeah, no. I mean, are you kidding me? Thomas Christ doesn't even let the game get to overtime. <laughs> they they only have one overtime loss so far this season. But I don't know. I I know it's a long shot, and everyone hates goalies nowadays. And the team, the it's just one of those things where the league is so offensive right now. I mean, the goals for in the top five in goals for right now through. And this probably averages out to 22 games. 
78, 78, 78. The <laughs> New York Hockey Islanders have 67. Wow. It just doesn't – I mean, and the only teams behind them are like Anaheim, Minnesota, Detroit, Los Angeles, Columbus, New Jersey as far as goals for. And they're the only team in the top 10 – Dallas also only has 66 goals for, but they were actually garbage. So the three teams with the least amount of – the three best teams with the least amount of goals for are all teams with heavy – that rely heavily on goaltending, but the best of those three teams is far and away the New York Islanders. And I think that's because Thomas Grice is far and away the best goaltender of those three teams. I know we disagree because, but Biddington is not a team that doesn't score goals. If that's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. And in that sense, obviously Grice is the most valuable person to his team. If his, if the offense is only putting in 76 or sorry, 67 goals to this point. I'll, um, I'll say this. If the Islanders finish anywhere in the top five and they've scored the least amount of goals of those top five teams, I think you have to give it to Grice. Okay. And on the flip side, I think if the Oilers are top two in their division going into the playoffs, I don't see how you don't give it to Connor McDavid this year. Even if Drysaddle also has 100 points? I, I think so. Because I didn't Drysaddle have 100 points last year? Yeah, but McDavid didn't win the heart last year. Yeah, but I'm saying if McDavid does get his team to the playoffs this year, I don't know how the NHL doesn't give him the MVP. Yeah, I, it's tough. To, it's tough to find a hole in that logic. I mean, but we're only ten games away from the Oilers imploding. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's going to be my longest bit. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll give the tracker to Maria. We'll see where the yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Uh, who knows? We're, I mean, we're going to be wrong about every single one of these awards. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to spend too much time <laughs> on it, but I mean, I, it kind of sounds like, I mean, you could listen to just this segment and think that I'm probably being super hot takey, but I've seen enough of these award NHL award shows to know that there's so much predictability that in a year like this, where offense seems like it's at its highest point, there are cases to be made for guys that combat that offensive firepower in Grice in, I mean, Kale McCarr is offensive, but is a better defenseman than people give him credit for. I, I just hope Austin Matthews wins the Rocket Richard. I've been focusing on that point since you said it. <laughs> that would be cool. Honestly, um, I think. So let us know on Twitter if you uh, if you disagree, agree, if you want to send in some of your picks. Uh, we love checking those out. We're going to move on to Zach's favorite segment. Yes, we have a hashtag YGS back to back episodes, I think. And this yeah, one goes to the Warner one. Yeah, 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 and it's it's very similar to the Warner one. And actually, I don't think we ever got to. Um, and I apologize if this YGS sounds a little bit fanboyish. I had no idea we were doing awards before I got on the show and prepared this segment. Oh so God. this is a Jordan Bennington shutout. Uh, this was on Thursday. The Flames went into St. Louis. Riddick versus Bennington. And much like the Werner shutout, it was 40 saves. The Flames outshot the Blues 40 to 31. Jeez. 
and lost five to nothing. Five to nothing. Uh, okay, so the five has nothing to do with the shutout, but still, it made forty saves at home. Jordan, it's just Jordan Bennington being Jordan Bennington. But the biggest issue I have with this is he only got the third star of the game. I understand they scored a lot of goals, but they could have scored one goal and won this game. Bennington got the third star, snubbed, just forever getting snubbed. Calgary, you got skunked. Yeah, they definitely did. And uh, Calgary was also uh, shut out twice this week. They got shut out by a team we'll talk about later in another segment. Um, Who votes? I don't know. Is it whoever votes on the three stars is probably just thinking that they've given so much love to Bennington at every turn over the last year and a half or no, not even since January 3rd. (laughs) (laughs) That it's like, I mean, you just said it based on what we've talked about in this podcast. Like, it's Jordan Bennington is so integral to that team's success that we're talking about him constantly. So it does feel like it's fanboyish or or anything like that. So yeah, don't don't feel bad for talking about Jordan Bennington all the time. I mean, I hate it, but the fans don't. <laughs> uh, I don't care what you have to say about Calgary right now. That's an impressive shutout. Yeah, because I, I was gonna say something about Calgary. Actually, they're ten, twelve, and three. What's I, I know? I know we got stuff to get to, but what's the issue with Calgary? I don't know, but if I see one more Shut person up, say that trading Johnny Hockey is the answer, I I, I don't know what to tell. I, they're just not scoring goals of their last four games. Okay, they've lost five in a row. Well, they've actually lost six in a row, but five in a row in regulation. And of the last four, they've been shut out three times. Jesus. I mean, Yikes. they're 62. They have less goal scored than the Islanders. And, and that's it. I'm just looking at San Jose and Calgary back. To, San, <laughs> I'm looking at San Jose, Calgary, and Tampa Bay in that order in the standings. And those wow. were three of the best teams in the league last year. Yeah. And it's um, towards the bottom. Towards the bottom. I mean,. Thank God Tampa's getting a little bit of goaltending because they'd be even worse off. But San Jose's only scored 67 goals. Calgary's only scored 62. And Tampa scored 69. Nice. Uh, Calgary, I just don't get it. I knew they'd take a step back. No, I didn't. I had them like second in the conference. But this is, I mean, there's no coming back from this. Yeah, this is my. They might stock a few more points, but it's over for them. It just. All the bounces must have just gone their way last year. And it was I, I think all the bounces aren't going their way this year. Yeah, maybe. I And I know I literally just said that it's over for them, but I think last year is closer to what this team is than – I mean, maybe – and hear me out. Maybe Milan Lucic just isn't a player you should trade for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe having him on your roster is not the recipe for success. Because the Oilers get rid of Lucic and all of a sudden they're great. So just say maybe they, they drop him or take him out back and give him the old yellow treatment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so congrats to Jordan Biddington. I think that's his first appearance on YGS. It is. Yes, it is. Oh, we really should have been keeping track of that. Now I got to listen to every episode since you debuted that. <laughs> um, let's do nightly news. Yes. Uh, because it's it's not looking great for our heroes. And we have a lot. We haven't done this bit in a, in a minute. 
Yeah. They are 11, 9, and 4 through 24 games. Uh, and they've given up 69 goals. Nice. And they've only scored 73. They're 3, 4, and 3 over their last 10. That's where the, I mean, that's where the struggles come from, is that 4 and 3. Because not, I'm not saying they have to go 10 and 0 over their last 10 games, but this is a much different team if they have four more points. Yeah, and it especially hurts right now being a Knights fan because we opened the season 4-1, 5-1 against the Sharks, and we lost when that was Thursday in overtime to the Sharks. <clears throat> yeah, so in the last – I'll just say we haven't done this in a week and a half. Uh, yeah, so Thursday night they lose in overtime to the Sharks. Uh, Tuesday they beat the Maple Leafs. Actually, they ended Mike Babcock's co- coaching career with that game uh worth mentioning mark andre fleury's save of the year i i yes. like the two Rask save a lot but that mark andre fleury one is huge yeah uh then they blink said flames six nothing on sunday going back to saturday they lose to la those three losses were bad we we like that was last time we did nightly news going into washington detroit chicago la Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, so so since the ninth, they've lost five two to the Capitals, three two to the Wings, five three to the Blackhawks, four three to the Kings, and then six zero win over Calgary. I mean, four two over the Leafs is good because that's. I mean, I know the Leafs were struggling, and they literally fired their coach. After I was gonna that say game. it was over the Babcock Leafs. Was yeah. it, is it that impressive? That's yeah, tough. <laughs> Um, but I said, I mean, I said it last time we did nightly news two one against Columbus is troubling because they need to score more goals than that. Then one goal loss. They score one in an overtime loss two in a slacking two against the worst team in the league, literally in the standings, the worst team in the league three. Again, I mean, I, I just don't know why it's so inconsistent right now. Yeah. Because- and we. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we were literally talking about, like, they need to go in and they need to beat Detroit, Chicago, L.A. before they come out against teams like Calgary, Toronto, San Jose. And they weren't able to do that. And I said that if they weren't able to do that, I was going to start to get worried. And here we are. And I'm worried. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of all your friends talking bad about you behind your back? Are you tired of your wife, girlfriend, or significant other talking about how you're inadequate to all of her or his friends behind your back? Oh, you don't think they're doing that? Well, if you're not listening to my podcast, they probably are. You're probably thinking to yourself, who's this extremely confident-sounding man that's taking over the podcast that I was just listening to? Hi, I'm Rattlesnake, host of Cheergating, the NASCAR podcast for Belly Up Sports. If you like NASCAR or any other type of American auto racing, then you should have already been listening to my podcast. If you don't like racing, then that's probably why all those people are talking about you behind your back. And if you like European racing, like F1, then you probably don't have any friends that will actually talk bad about you behind your back. So here's what you gotta do. Number one, listen to Chairgating. Number two, go back to number one. Because at Chairgating, we're not just talking NASCAR. We talk football. We talk barbecue. And that's about it. So if you're a belly up sports fan that hasn't already been listening to Chairgating, you're probably sitting there thinking, wow, what have I been doing wrong with my life? Well, if the answer is simple, 
you haven't been listening to Chairgate. And if you're listening to me talk to you right now on the other podcast that you're listening to, and you previously have been listening to me on Chairgate, well, guess what? You haven't been telling your friends about it enough, so you're also failing. So, finish up this incredible episode that you're listening to right now from Belly Up Sports, and then after you're done with this, go listen to Chairgate. Make your life a little bit better. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury is still really good. 2-4-5, he's got 9-22. Everything's great there. And we did say William Carlson needed to pick it up a couple weeks ago. To his credit, he has. He's got 23 points. Patrick's got 22. Mark Stone's got 20. And then the fall-off begins. I mean, they don't have a point-per-game player. Riley Smith, 17. March is so 16. Stassi only is 10. Cody Glass has 9. Glass for Calder. But... Their needs, it's all there for them. I, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's there on paper. I think you're right. I just, um, it's tough because, I mean, obviously the rivalry game with the Sharks, we lose. And, you know, I'm trying to find out because they go through that. We just spelled out the four-game losing streak to teams they shouldn't have lost to except for maybe the Capitals. And they look flat. But then they come out, they shut out Calgary. They look good. But again, it's Calgary who's been shut out three of the last four games. They beat a Babcock-led Toronto, which we know is <clears throat> doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so it's it's just tough for me when I'm watching to get a hold of what the issue is because they look flat um, when they went through that stretch, stretch of quote-unquote easy games. But then they come out and they play well. And I guess it's just a lack of consistency. Yeah, and they're going to have to find some consistency because, like we said, tonight, as we record, they play the Oilers. Monday, at the Stars. Wednesday, at the Predators, who, I mean, the Laviolette rumors are already starting to fly. So who knows what they'll get when they go to Nashville. But then... They play Arizona at home, who's been great defensively. But then they come to the East Coast, Rangers-Devils, two games again that they should win, back-to-back or not. I don't care. Uh, And then they're at the Islanders. Later in December, they have at St. Louis, at Dallas, at Vancouver. A lot of teams are so much better than we expected them to be that their schedule looks a little more daunting than probably expected. Yeah. Um, I think, as you just highlighted, the finish to November is huge. You know, you're going into Dallas, <clears throat> which I know you want to touch on, and then going into Nashville, which is uh, still trying to find their identity, I guess. Um, then you finish at home in, against Arizona. It's, so, I, yeah, think, I, I mean, I think that's huge. Like, Because you said at the beginning of December, they're going to the East Coast. I mean, that's you're traveling, jet lag. It is, you know, whatever, whatever happens. I actually want to pull that up one day. Sidebar, but as how much travel affects on road trips like that. But uh, they they really need to gain some ground starting tonight against the Oilers. Yeah, I think tonight's a good uh, good barometer for for where they're at and how they handle you know stars star players when they come to town and all sorts of things. Obviously, you know, I still believe that they'll turn it around, I and I still kind of believe I still kind of believe that they'll. They're just 
making sure that they're going to make the playoffs and then, you know, they'll do what they have to do in the, in the postseason. I mean, yeah. they're still, I mean, they're we, still we, holding on to that second wild card spot. Yeah, and we, we can't write them off. I mean, we saw this circus no. last year. They did the same thing, started out slow. I mean, we're holding the faith over here. They're three points up on Anaheim for the second wild card spot, and they're tied with Vancouver in points, but Vancouver has a game in hand. So, yeah, I mean, like we said, it's there on paper. They'll find it. They'll find a group. Uh, That's it for Nightly News. Yeah. And we're going to talk about a team that did find their groove, and this is how we'll kind of end it. Remember when we talked about how bad the Dallas Stars were? Yeah, they started out rough. 1-7-1, and to be exact. Um. Am I looking at this right? So they started one seven and one. They are currently thirteen eight and two. Yeah, they're nine zero oh, and one in their last ten. And they're on a five game winning streak. It, I mean, it's coming together for them, and they've won good games. I mean, they like they've done exactly what they're supposed to. They are keeping teams. I mean, they've had they have two wins against. Uh, the avalanche this month and they've outscored them six to two in those two games. They held Montreal to one goal. They held Calgary to one goal. They held Vancouver to two goals. They couldn't hold the Oilers back, but they beat them in overtime and five to four. That's the thing. We just, we just got done talking about the inconsistency that the Knights are having. And it's just the opposite for the stars. Like you said, they're holding Calgary to a goal, holding Vancouver to two goals and then one goal. This is all during the five-game win streak. The Oilers, like you said, they allow four goals, but that's the Oilers. I mean, this year the Oilers are putting the puck in the net between Drysdale and McDavid. And for the Stars to come out and still win that game 5-4, to four, that's huge. And then you beat Winnipeg 5-3, to three, which you're not going to hold them to one goal or two goals unless you're Adam Werner. So, I mean, surpassing three and getting up five, the Stars are just, they're just playing with consistency on defense and offense. So the Stars got blanked by Pittsburgh on October 26th, 3-0. They have a point in every game since then. They lost in over their only loss since then was the overtime loss to Winnipeg. And like I said, they still got a point in that game. They play Chicago tonight. I, I mentioned Vegas on Monday, and then they're at Chicago on Tuesday. They're, I mean, their schedule is not easy because they're in the central. But, I mean, Ben Bishop is just Ben Bishop again. I think that the team is good. And like I said, like guys are starting to find their groove as far as scoring and keeping the offense together, even though this is a team really based on defense. But Tyler Sagan has 19 points. Haskinen, I love that Miro Haskinen has that many points for this team. Jamie Ben, like I said, starting to find the back of the net. Uh, and Pavelski's produced – I mean, he's only got 12 points in 23 games, but I don't know what the expectation for him was. But, I mean, Tyler Sagan has six goals, and he's shooting 7.6% on the season. That's just – I mean, I'm not saying he's going to shoot 10% on the year, but I think at one point he was shooting like 3%. The team shooting percentage was below six. It – I don't know what 
happened seemingly overnight for this team. But like I said, when when the the league is so offensively driven right now, they're just good enough offensively and so good defensively and in net that they are going to cause some serious problems. Yeah, because you even mentioned um, Pavelski being a little bit down there as far as points go, but um, if nothing else, he's providing stability. He's his giveaway to takeaways in the positive, or I guess takeaway to giveaway. That's how I meant to say that. Um, it's in the positive, uh, <clears throat> pretty good for a forward, and that's the kind of stability that's going to allow you, especially from a guy like that, to just stay consistent. Um, I mean, obviously, he's got a leadership quality in him. And to have that as a sort of depth role for the stars, I think is huge. And that's what's been able to turn them around from one and seven to, I mean, if they get points in their next two games, we're looking at a full calendar month where they didn't play a game without at least getting a point. Yeah. And they're basically in the top five in the league standings. If they get a point in their next two games, I mean, Maybe I could be forgetting. Maybe Joe Pavelski got hurt in that Pittsburgh game and had to leave the game. And he was somehow able to rally a bunch of guys to make huge comebacks and just get better because that's all he's good for. Uh, But we just wanted to recognize a team that was down in the dumps and seemingly out of it uh, about a month ago. And like you said, they can go a whole calendar month with getting a point in every game, which happens. I mean, we, we've probably seen it more than we realize because we go based on games a lot of time. Shit, the Blues might have done it at the end of last year. But uh, Dallas deserves some recognition, and something tells me they're going to be a thorn in our sides when it comes to uh, Vegas and our picks and predictions and everything. Yeah. They're just not... I mean, all of us. All of a sudden, St. Louis isn't gonna run away with the Central. Yeah, and I gotta tip my cap to you because uh, in the summer you had Dallas high in the division, and I didn't. And I was laughing at you to start the season, and oh, how the turntables! <laughs> the turntables. Yeah. Well, in fairness, I also had St. Louis super low, and Edmonton super low. <laughs> so. Um, did we miss anything? No, I don't think so. I think we covered everything. So we are going to, I probably should have brought this up before the episode. Uh, I don't know what our Thanksgiving plans are, are, but we're going to have a Thanksgiving episode, at least one next week, but tentatively plan on just one episode next week from us. Uh, but this will be our second of the week this time. So we're finally getting technical difficulties out of the way. And we're at the quarter point, which means uh, everything from here on out actually matters, which I love. Yes. Hockey is – make hockey exciting again. But actually, I don't think anything matters until January 3rd. Oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I don't know why we just counted Calgary out. It's not even January 3rd. <laughs> you counted my Red Wings out, man. You said they were the worst team in the league. That's the best spot to be at right now. That's – Listen, man, that team is so bad. Yeah, they are. I mean, the Blackhawks aren't good either. Yeah, but... we can move on. They're bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, I guess, I guess that's it. We don't have anyone to shout out. I mean, Pranis Hockey World, HockeyWorld.com, obviously. Um, and 
What are you? Uh, what are you? What are you watching this week? I know you're not watching Ohio State, Penn State. No, I'm not. I'm watching Ohio State, Penn State. Um, okay. okay. Oh, I'm gonna watch most of it. I actually had to close this recording and then work all afternoon. And but don't worry, it gets better because I work all Sunday afternoon too. Because live TV <laughs> never stops. So that's uh, I'm gonna be watching whatever I can stream uh, at work the rest of the week. And what about you? Yeah, I'm just uh, I got the day to myself today. I'll be a little busy tomorrow, but I'm gonna be watching uh, watching some hockey today. Good. I I gotta scrape out this fantasy win this weekend. My fantasy team is such a joke. It is such a joke. Still injured. Real, real quick before before we leave this. By the way, uh, I was the best team in the league for the first four weeks. Just so I, I mean, there was no debating it. I was the best team in the league by a mile. Um, since then, I've had six guys go on injured reserve. Three of them are still on my team. I had to drop Vladimir Tarasenko. Nicholas Backstrom is out, probably moving to IR. Um, I'm at the point where Adam Henrique is a regular starter on my fantasy team. Wow. It's an absolute... Gabriel Landeskog, Sammy Blay, Backstrom, and Chris Letang are just the guys that I was able to or forced to keep on my roster. I just I look at fantasy hockey and I just want to die. This is, it's unbelievable. And I still have, I mean, Stone and Pacioretty probably aren't great guys to rely on. But, I mean, Nathan McKinnon, whatever. For Maria, for the better fantasy team, at Belly of Zach Mack. I'm at Belly of KJ, licking my wounds. And this was at Puck Puck Pass Pod. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Go Knights. Be sure to follow your hosts on Twitter at Gearholtz underscore K, at BellyUpZachMath, and at PuckPuckPassPod.